everyone, this is Ashley, and thank you so much for joining me in the first episode of Block, Stock and Barrel, a podcast about blockchain and a whole lot more. So what we'll do in each episode is that we'll sit down and speak to what we like to consider relatively interesting people within the blockchain space. And while we're both pretending to drink coffee or our preferred choice of beverage, it's up to you, you can decide. We'll talk about their experience with the technology, how they got into the space, and what their thoughts are on the future of DLT. We thought that this would be a pretty cool thing to do purely because DLT slash blockchain is such a new field and there is constantly so much going on. And for anyone, regardless of whether you have been here shortly after the first white paper came out or before, or you've been deep diving into DMs and smart contracts for the past one to two months, and are obsessed or whatever there is just so much learning involved every day and there's again so many new discussions taking place all the time for many of us what we found was most helpful was when we had someone with real tangible experience who was willing to sit down and share with us advice on what was helpful for them and what worked or what didn't or what made sense or not and we figured that this podcast would actually be a great medium for collecting these experiences and extremely insightful discussions and perspectives. So whether or not you are a developer looking to get into blockchain or if you've already been here for a little bit and are just seeking to hear something new, we genuinely hope that you have something to gain from this podcast. Today we are speaking to Eugene Asif, the CTO and co-founder of Chainstack that is building the control panel for blockchains. And prior to Chainstack, Eugene held the role of VP of Engineering at Acronis, and he has over 10 years of experience building and leading top R&D teams on a global scale. So without further ado, here is episode one with Eugene Asif. So uh, Eugene, welcome to our podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. No worries. So let's just uh, get into it. So let's go all the way back to the beginning. How did you get started into DLT technologies and what about it excites you? Well, we started working with uh, DLT technology and blockchain in uh, particular at the time uh, when I was in uh, Acronis. So the first product we built uh, was Acronis Notary, which is a simple uh, trusted timestamping technology based on Ethereum blockchain. So we played around a lot with Ethereum. It was quite exciting time because uh, that was the first time me and my team, we we started looking at this uh, technology. So uh, it was completely new because the paradigm is very new. So it was it was very exciting by that time. So what was your experience trying to learn about Ethereum? Just because you mentioned that it was very new, was it difficult or was there a lot of self-learning involved? It was a lot of self-learning, of course. It, it was a lot of digging over the forums and all kind of chats because, and also GitHub, of course, because uh, blockchain and DLT in general have deep roots in uh, open source technology. So there was a lot of digging, I would say, and uh, basically a, a few years passed, but the learning curve is still big, I would say, because you don't have proper documentation for majority of protocols. Maybe Ethereum is a good example and, and kind of uh, the exception of the rule, but in general, the blockchain space and DLT in general is not as well documented as you would as you would like to in case of any other web-related uh, technologies. So uh, it's still quite immature, but uh, still exciting. Right. So do you think this is impeding the uh, rate of adoption? Just because of the lack of documentation, people find it difficult to get into this space to learn about development? Well, most likely, of course. Uh, so there was a, a survey of uh, blockchain developers 
around one year ago, I think, and there were around a uh, few tens of uh, developers asked about what's the, the biggest challenges for them when they do the development. And uh, in top three, uh, there was documentation. Uh, so they couldn't just find information in the right time, in, in the right moment. And uh, they had to dig into the code themselves. So they had to ask their friends or the developers who had dealt uh, with this uh, technology uh, for a longer time. So obviously this is, a, this is still a, a kind of a showstopper for many people to adopt the technology and to start working on it. So you think it's just a matter of time before um, this documentation gets um, more popular and more people, it's just because it's, the technology is new? Of course, it's a matter of time, but also it's a matter of uh, kind of nature, distributed nature of this community. Because if you take a look at blockchain community, it's uh, it's pretty much distributed. So there are probably tens of hundreds of different protocols being built at the same time. So it's not like uh, people are focused on one particular technology, for instance, Ethereum, which is the biggest one. However, there are a lot of talented people uh, and there's in general a lot of workforce uh, working on other protocols. And uh, if you if you have this kind of dispersion, then you would uh, most likely not have a central repository for documentation for one single protocol, which is amazing. But it's kind of nature, it's, it's kind of soul of this decentralized technology. So you, you probably can't do much about that. Um, so yeah, it's a matter of time and also a matter of, uh, let's say, maturity of uh, protocols that will be, let's say, top five or top ten, and they will basically reach this uh, this level when the documentation is good enough to onboard people uh, rapidly. Right. It's interesting. So are there any projects or use cases that you personally are very interested in, uh, in terms of the distributed ledger technology? Well, I'm uh, I'm interested in technology in general. I, I like uh, uh, distributed marketplaces, for instance. I think it's quite good use case and, and it's very interesting, very scalable. I like privacy preserving stuff. So anything related to computation on a on a ledger when you have mul multiple parties uh, collaborating. So I, I'm I'm mostly towards this kind of uh, platform use cases than uh, particular end user uh, scenarios. So I like when blockchain facilitates. Uh, some process in general, so uh, and, it, and it can be adopted by uh, multiple people or companies. Another example is, uh, for instance, uh, in ad space. So I like how blockchain can actually simplify and streamline uh, ad distribution uh, between publishers and uh, advertisers. Basically, there are plenty of. I, I like more the ones that uh, are actually feeding the the use cases. So, for instance, this this distributed marketplace example is, is a great one because you can build thousands, millions of uh, different marketplaces uh, on top of blockchain. So. I think there are a number of amazing uh, use cases and we still haven't seen all potential of blockchain because it's still early beginning. Mm -hmm. But in general, you, you feel that distributed ledger technology uh, can really add value because it is transforming the foundational layer. Yeah, of course. Right. Uh, obviously, we need uh, some internet uh, for blockchain to work, and uh, we obviously need some basic technology that uh, have proven the the stability and the time has proven that the technology is uh, is mature enough. Let's say, as I mentioned, as internet. Yes. Uh, but the blockchain can actually extend uh, it to some way, and and we can also bring back uh, some level of decentralization, which. Uh, internet had uh, when it was when it was born in 80s and when it started its early adoption in 90s so i think that dlt and blockchain in general um, can actually extend the, the reach of, of internet and also can bring more 
high quality uh, and, and qualities related to privacy, for instance, and, and security to, to the, to the base technology, which is uh, obviously internet. Right. So in your ideal utopia, what does mass adoption look like? Uh, it's a great question. I think when we don't talk about blockchain, so uh, I, I mentioned it uh, at InnoFest in Singapore, uh, I think a more, a more than a year ago. So I think that we, we reach adoption of blockchain when nobody is talking about blockchain, because uh, essentially it doesn't really matter. So uh, today we don't really talk about internet, we talk about Facebooks and Twitters and, uh, and other things. And we don't really mention that, okay, you can do it all in internet, because it's kind of uh, given. So I think the blockchain will reach adoption in reality when we when it's talking about blockchain, which is uh, a little bit uh, oxymoronic, of course, but it's a reality. That's interesting. So actually, on that note, do you feel that, I mean, as of right now, not many people fully understand this technology. So how important do you think it is for people to actually understand it? So like when you're talking about how um, in the in the ideal situation, when blockchain technologies is so widely used and not, nobody notices it, it's kind of like the internet today where everybody uses it, but nobody not many people can really explain what the internet is. It's a great question, by the way, because there, because there's a trade-off. Yeah. Um, so in the internet, you know what is password and you know what is username. And uh, if you are advanced enough, you know what is two-factor authentication and you can receive the calls via mobile or even some authentication app, uh, which are not uh, kind of given technologies. When you think about it in, in 80s or 70s, nobody knew what is like uh, username and password. And uh, the same happens with, with blockchain. I think some basic uh, things should be uh, available for everyone and everybody should learn these basic things. I think up to maybe five terms should be introduced by the new technology. I mean, overall for, for, for generic, uh, let's say, audience, right? So everybody should understand what's the private key and why they should care about private key. And maybe a couple of other things like what is address and uh, and so on. But in uh, on on other side, uh, you don't need to care, take care about mining and what is what is hashing and what happens when you reach consensus and all this all this stuff. Obviously, it's uh, outside of the scope of a general person who is using the the technology. But obviously, some basic uh, things they they should uh, be aware of and they should know how to properly take care about the the identity, for instance, because. That's the whole idea of uh, decentralized technology that everybody has their own identity that they can protect. So if uh, you don't know what's the identity, how, how it works, and uh, moreover, how to protect it, then you're in trouble and you're kind of misusing the technology because uh, you're kind of uh, missing the point of it. So that's, that's a trade-off, uh, obviously, but the majority of things that people are uh, reading today about blockchain, obviously, it's not very important. So it's, it's probably very interesting for people who like engineering, who like uh, system um, architecture and so on. But for, for uh, adoption of, of the majority, we obviously don't need to, uh, they, they don't need to think about all this, uh, all these deep tech terms. Right. And that, that's really interesting because, yeah, um, in blockchain, I mean, blockchain technologies, like adoption wise, UX has often been described as one of the biggest challenges. So uh, moving on to challenges, in your opinion, what is the biggest one that is preventing adoption today um, at either the enter in enterprise level, industry level or protocol level that you've personally feel like you agree with? 
I don't think that there's a single one that uh, that stops the adoption. I think there are a few, and they all once they converge, then then we'll start uh, seeing the adoption. So. I think that these uh, challenges are different for, uh, for let's say, uh, enterprise blockchains and public blockchains because they're pretty much different. And uh, if we're talking about enterprises, for instance, it's all about how companies collaborate. So there wasn't such concept before that you can join a, a system that nobody really controls, and then you can collaborate on a single system between uh, certain parties. So it's kind of organizational challenge for people and stakeholders and all these companies to understand how it all works, at least in some generic terms and at least in some organizational terms. And this is even not about technology. This is about how people collaborate to people and, and how they agree to collaborate to each other. Because if you think about companies like big banks, they have l large, uh, let's say, processes and procedures to establish uh, any new communication. So if, if they need to communicate over a system which is not uh, controlled by anybody, they will be uh, sort of freaked out. So it's, uh, it's a long process even uh, without taking technology to consideration. Then if we're talking about public blockchains, for instance, one of the biggest challenges is obviously scalability because you need to uh, be ready to have CryptoKitties and a uh, hundred other games uh, and maybe a thousand other games to be running at the same time. And what's interesting about this challenge is that uh, the community and the developers of, of all the protocols and all the networks are actually aware of this. And there are different grant programs and also uh, all sorts of initiatives um, that actually focus on different aspects of, uh, of, the, of the adoption, uh, whether it's uh, uh, developer experience or, or user experience in terms of the end user applications or scalability or security of, uh, of, of protocols. So there is no single challenge. I think there are a number of challenges and they also uh, diverge when we're talking about enterprise uh, DLT world and, and public blockchain world. All right. So for the enterprise level, do, do you kind of agree that Blockchain is about 80% business process change and only uh, much less like 20% technology implementation. Does that kind of summarize what you mentioned about? Yeah, most like I, I wouldn't uh, say that I'm, I'm pretty sure about a certain uh, propor proportion, yeah. but yeah, most likely it's uh, more about organizational change. And uh, if we're talking about the technology change, it's also not only about blockchain, which is important because uh, blockchain is probably I would I would uh, probably rate as three to six percent of uh, uh, overall project, and then you have all sorts of uh, technologies around blockchain, which are also very important because uh, let's say blockchain is uh, very bad for storage in general, and any DLT is very bad for storage just because of its nature. So you might want to use some off-chain storage and uh, you need to have some solution for that. Uh, or another example is that you need to integrate your existing systems with blockchain in order uh, for it to make some, uh, like, to have some purpose and to make some, uh, uh, let's say, Im implementation of, of your real business process together with the blockchain. So you obviously need some integration. And that's also a big part because uh, people, developers in, in these companies uh, who are doing the implementation, either enterprises themselves or system uh, integrators, they need to understand how to work with new technology. 
and also to understand how to, um, let's say, uh, combine the new technology with the, with the legacy application that they're running. So most definitely, it's not only about technology. And as I mentioned before, it's, 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 uh, there, there's a lot of things, uh, about, uh, organizational change. Also financial aspect is very important. Uh, for instance, when we are thinking about, uh, and, and when we're talking about POCs, it's very important to understand how do you uh, calculate the ROI for a certain change, whether it's a blockchain project. And, and for blockchain projects in particular, it's quite challenging because you, you don't really know how to calculate the, the savings uh, or maybe earnings in some cases that you get from implementation of, of, of new technology. Uh, because there is no given methods and uh, there is no methodology to basically understand this ROI. So yeah, it's, it's definitely not only a technological challenge for sure. All right. And then do you think, what would you like to see more in terms of developer tools that could help uh, accelerate this apart from yeah, better documentation? Well, we, uh, we at Chainstack, we're working a lot with uh, all sorts of uh, protocols since we are a multi-protocol uh, um, service provider. So um, there, there's a lot of small things about, about these protocols that we support. And when we work with them, uh, we see that as soon as most of the protocols are some kind of open source protocols, sometimes there's a like, misalignment between uh, the developers of these protocols because they're all maintained by multiple people. At the same time, it brings value to the process because you have different views on the uh, on the architecture, on the on the development, uh, on the final product. But at the same time, it brings a lot of voices in the room that that needs to be resolved in order to get to the final product. So, I would say this is this is one of the things that influences the the whole industry. That the open source development is. Uh, is bringing this sort of ambiguity in this in the in the process of uh, delivering the final product because there's no like one stakeholder who tells you what to, uh, how how this sh should shape up and and so on uh, but i can say i have some wish that everything will be centralized at the end i think it's great and that we should just uh, adhere to the nature of this new technology and to understand how it all works. So my wish would be probably uh, less protocols and more implementations of the applications because uh, today we have too many protocols and uh, and probably today it's not as, uh, as diverse as, as we had the situation like last year ago when there were like new protocol appearing every day uh, because of the uh, this ICO race and so on. So, but th there's still a lot of protocols in the making because uh, they all um, collected quite uh, big piles of money and then now spending it on implementation. And obviously, we'll see that it will be not as diversified in like 10 years. And in in production, we'll see probably much less protocols. But uh, what what would I uh, like see uh, as a perfect situation when people who are developing like hundreds of protocol they would actually realize that uh, they're not building an, an, uh, something that will be adopted by million people because it's not, it's not only about development of protocol it's uh, more, more importantly it's about the adoption of your protocol so okay you've you've implemented new blockchain but then you need to find the developer community who will use it and you need to find uh, ideally you need to find guys who will uh, create a decentralized application on top of them 
And then you need some guys who will actually use these decentralized applications built on this uh, protocol. So it's it's quite challenging uh, process. And uh, I would say that if people will, will realize that okay, let's let's invest our time in Ethereum, or let's invest our time in Corda, or let's invest our time in Hyperledger, because they already have some presence in in, in the blockchain world, and it's quite significant. Uh, then I think it would be much more constructive um, than building uh, like hundred new protocol. Right. Okay. And next question. Um, having spoken to many people that are interested or have been building on blockchain, what are some of the misconceptions uh, that companies have when they are trying to design or implement a blockchain solution? So I, I would say my favorite misconception as soon as I have some security background is that blockchain is 100% secure. So this is uh, absolutely not true. And if you uh, have some basic understanding of blockchain, you would realize that. And, and if you also read the news about blockchain and all this cryptocurrency exchange hacks, uh, to say at least, and uh, as soon as we don't have too, too many uh, blockchain-based systems in production, we don't have uh, a lot of hacks. But in reality, blockchain provides you the integrity of transactions that are happening in the system itself. So what, anything which is happening outside of this uh, system and outside of the transaction scope is not protected. Um, so it's a, it's a completely separate topic to secure everything around blockchain and everything not related to the transactions that are happening in blockchain. And I think that's, that's one of the biggest misconceptions about the technology itself, uh, that it's kind of given that blockchain is secure, but it's a, it's a terrible mistake if you think about that in, in this way. Um, so this, 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 I would say is my favorite. <laughs> right. So what, what are the key points of vulnerabilities that exist in a blockchain uh, system? On decentralized systems, I think we can record a few uh, separate podcasts on this topic because it's <laughs> it's quite it's quite a big one. I think at, at some moment at some moment of time somebody will create a list like we have for web we have a wasp ten which is a list of uh, the most damaging and important and uh, popular vulnerabilities uh, for web applications which is updated every year. So I think something like that should be created uh, for, for blockchains as well, because they have very specific, uh, let's say, architecture and design. So there are plenty of basically, uh, if we're talking just about blockchain uh, uh, security itself, so there are all sorts of, uh, uh, if, if you have a smart contract system inside the blockchain, then it's a very big topic. And uh, most of the large hacks were uh, somehow related to smart contract vulnerabilities. You guess why? Because uh, smart contracts are written by people and uh, people are vulnerable by default. And uh, what, what, whatever program you write, uh, there's a chance that there will be a vulnerability in that. Of course, after all these hacks, uh, people started implementing all sorts of uh, automated and semi-automated tools to check smart contracts for vulnerabilities. But then again, as I mentioned, uh, for some protocols, uh, that's the situation, but for other protocols, which are not that developed and people are starting developing on them, there are no such tools. So then also it's kind of a big deal. Um, then, then again, it's, about, it's all about key management, uh, obviously, because if you don't manage your keys well, and then, uh, then your funds or like your information can be easily lost. And that's basically the case with all these uh, cryptocurrency exchange hacks. The majority of the hacks happened just because the key management wasn't done well. 
and this is just about the uh, blockchain systems security themselves uh, I, and if i start talking about security of systems around blockchain that that's kind of uh, endless topic because it's about all sorts of databases and authentication authorization uh, and, and so on and so forth so it's it's kind of endless topic right Okay, and then another misconception that I've been reading a lot about is how people think that permission blockchains are just databases. So there are many people who don't really see the need for a permission blockchain, and they all strongly feel that a traditional database approach could be better suited for the purpose. So what would your response be to that? I think I, I saw this a lot after the JPM coin came out, and a lot of people were like, no, this is not a cryptocurrency because it was built on Quorum. Yeah, it's it's quite old uh, misconception, and I would I would say sort of an opposite um, statement again that uh, blockchains are terrible databases. So if you want to store data, like really store data and and retrieve data and use data all the time, and if we're talking about large volumes of, of data, then blockchains are terrible uh, technology for that. So you better use uh, centralized uh, database technology. So blockchains uh, shine when you have multiple parties in the process that uh, don't trust each other completely. So that's the idea. And uh, you need to have some sort of transactional system. So it's not just data that lies in, in uh, forever. And I don't know, you, you don't do backups to the blockchain because it's, it's kind of ridiculous. So I would say that blockchains uh, make terrible databases. And, uh, and that's, a, that's probably a better statement. Interesting. All right, so my last question for you is that um, this is also going back to you being interested in blockchain technologies uh, solutions that have gone into production. Under contrast, what are particular projects or use cases in which blockchain technologies have been uh, applied but have not really brought any real value into? Okay, that's an interesting one. Or just have been a complete waste of money or something. So the, you you could see plenty of them uh, last year, uh, obviously uh, during this ICO race, and there were all sorts of uh, pointless projects that launched on the blockchain just to have some coin issue. So when you have a, a purpose of blockchain to have your own token or, or a coin and uh, not having some underlying idea that you would use this coin somehow or you would use this token somehow, then it becomes totally uh, pointless. And uh, we see a lot of money lost uh, during this time uh, because people invested in projects that looked cool because they had great websites or they had uh, a kind of great team, which could be even fake team because this also happened to the projects. Um, but, they, but that couldn't uh, figure out the business model uh, together with the coins or tokens that, that were issued. So I would say there are few, much fewer uh, cases when the technology was used for, for a purpose than the, techno than the technology was uh, used uh, just because people wanted to uh, raise money. Uh, for enterprises, uh, it's slightly different situation, of course, but uh, kind of the same because together with the hype of public blockchains and ICOs came the hype uh, of, uh, let's say, let's do some POC on the blockchain. And uh, all sorts of innovation labs in, in banks or large organizations, they started playing around with the, with the technology and then releasing a lot of, uh, lot of press about it that, okay, we've, we've done some, um, let's say, loyalty program on the blockchain. 
And uh, then in, in majority of use cases, basically, we haven't seen any follow-up on this uh, on this news because it was just done for marketing purpose because uh, people didn't really use the system. So they just uh, created some POC, they published some news, and then uh, the, there was no adoption. Just because, for instance, if you do a loyalty program and you are the only company uh, who is giving out the bonuses and, uh, and credits, then it's then again it's kind of pointless because you're the only organization and the whole idea of blockchain is that uh, you collaborate uh, you collaborate with other with other organizations so if you want to create a, a purposeful loyalty program you would bring other organizations on board but then uh, then again as i mentioned it's a complicated process and it's challenging and probably companies don't want to like solve the challenging projects if they can just uh, release some some news and then do something else and then play around with AI or some other buzzword. So uh, there, there are all sorts of uh, pointless projects and it's uh, honestly quite hard. Uh, it, it was quite hard to find uh, a, a useful project in, in, let's say, 2017 and uh, 18. So you had to do a lot of uh, due diligence on these projects. The situation, in my opinion, is much better this year because of, uh, uh, of the failure of the market of, uh, of, of public blockchains. And uh, people started using the technology uh, for a purpose. So uh, that's, what, that's what I really like. And I really like the fact that uh, the technology started uh, its adoption after the uh, public market's uh, failure in, in the enterprise. Because before there was all sorts of news that enterprise DLT and enterprise blockchain uh, don't make any sense. Uh, just because they're private, uh, just because they're not public, uh, they're consortium and so on and so forth, uh, which in my opinion is, is it doesn't matter because uh, public blockchains consist of kind of all people and they allow all people to join the public blockchain and so that they can collaborate. But let's say uh, consortium blockchain is, is the same, but it's a subset of people. So you, you all also collaborate, it's just not 100% of people on the earth, which absolutely doesn't uh, break the idea and doesn't break the purpose. Of course, uh, private blockchains are much more questionable when you just want to set up a blockchain for you, uh, for your own company or for, for your own purpose. I would say this is a good... Uh, this is a good idea if you do some testing or if you do some uh, some actual POC and you don't want uh, to to get many um, people or companies on board immediately, then it, obviously it makes sense to, to set up a, a private blockchain, but not for the actual uh, application, I would say. Right. So, yeah, you mentioned about how this whole craze and how all these companies were just rushing to create their own blockchain projects and they were just mostly out of marketing value. And now that it kind of, the public blockchains kind of crash a little bit. How does this add a layer of complexity to all the, these other much more practical blockchain projects and solutions that are coming up? Because now we do see a lot more pilot use cases coming up and being tested. But I think for the general, to the general public, they are all receiving it with a tinge of skepticism just because of the background that has been set because of the previous, uh, the past few years. And how do you think that we can get past that? Honestly, I think it's it's the same as when you publish uh, um, like some post on, on Facebook or you publish a video on YouTube and then uh, it becomes very popular and you start reading comments. Basically, uh, it, it doesn't mean anything. So uh, it's just uh, uh, some people wrote something in the internet. So you don't always have to listen or even like somehow uh, provide your feedback to this or provide or like... Uh, 
um, do some act, active, let's say, communication to to these people just because they they commented on on, on top of your video or on top of your post. Uh, so I think that that's exactly the same situation with uh, all these um, uh, blockchain or DLT implementations and all the commenters uh, or or press who are not um, happy that they lost some funds uh, during the ICO craze and then they, if they see something about blockchain, they are not happy. I think that in reality, the technology will uh, actually either prove uh, itself or not prove itself. And I'm, I'm not talking about DLT or blockchain in general because I believe in that, but I'm talking about a particular protocol, a particular application, a particular project. So if it can stand to, to market, if it can find customers, if it can bring some ROI to a particular group of companies or people, and oh, then why not? Obviously, it's a, it's a great application. It's a great use case. If it's just blah, 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 of course, it will in long term uh, prove that it, uh, it can work. And uh, we'll see many of these kind of failing projects in, in coming years. Um, but I think that the, the true gems will, uh, uh, will reveal themselves in the next few years. And uh, it, it, I think it will be a truly exciting times because it's, it's all about long term, uh, in my opinion. And it doesn't matter what happened in, in one year or two years time. It would be much more interesting what happens in 10 years time. And uh, probably the situation will change completely, but uh, it's, it's, it's very interesting. Right. So I, I just thought that was really interesting because, you know, have the best marketing is essentially having a great functional product. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming down and sharing everything that you have today. It was extremely insightful and it gave us a lot of uh, new things to think about when it comes to looking at blockchain technologies and the future of it. So yeah, thank you so much again. This was uh, Eugene Asif, the CTO and co-founder of Chainstack. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you.